0: A Telltale Pod Production. Blackberry Blue by Jamila Gavin. The Purple Lady, Part One If something precious is lost, then the search must never end until it is found. But sometimes it means paying a high price to win back what has been taken away. The last of the snow was brown and sludgy. Spindly branches clawed in an ice-blue sky, nameless birds crouched silently in black silhouette on naked branches, and the air was drifting with crystals. He rubbed a small circle on the steamy, grimy window through which he could observe this alien world. His search had begun. Abu had caught the bus to the city. Where do you want to get off? the bus driver had demanded. Abu didn't know what to say. At the end of the line, he replied finally, and sat at the back by himself. He noticed that whereas his fellow passengers had at first looked out greedily at the new spring-green countryside, as if they would never see it again, when they reached the outskirts of the city, with its chimneys, factories and apartment blocks, Its roads seething with traffic, they now slumped back wearily, as if dreading their day at work. A head-scarved woman got on and sat next to Abu, as the bus churned along a busy avenue. The pavement streamed with people, bundled up in bulky coats, gloves and boots of greys and browns, like the detritus of a slow-moving, muddy river. A figure in purple caught his eye, an indeterminate blur at first, visible then invisible amongst the heaving throng, rising and falling as if riding on the crest of a wave, coming closer. It could have been a mystical animal from a bestiary, for there was nothing but the swirl of a cloak of purple fur which enveloped the figure from head to foot, the face lost in the secretive depths of a hood. If anyone on the bus noticed, they didn't show it. On the contrary, they dropped their gaze, put on dark glasses, turned their heads away from the windows, and huddled closer together as if in earnest conversation. Most of all, they held their children tight. Behind the figure, a pack of wild dogs broke up the rhythm of the crowds. Grey, wolf-like forms threaded their predatory way along the pavement like bodyguards and stopped in front of some tall, purple, iron-wrought gates. The figure paused, motionless, staring through the railings, its purple cloak quivering as if, like an alert animal, its fur was about to stand on end. Abu couldn't see anything on the other side – only a swirling mist that shrouded everything. But as the bust edged forward, Abu turned his head and saw a woman's hand emerge from the cloak. A thin, grey hound wound about her knees like a serpent. Briefly, she tossed back her head, and he was sure he heard a thin, animal-like howl. Then both woman and hound were on the other side of the locked gates, as if, like a coil of mist, They had simply slipped through the bars. The bus moved on. What is that place? Abu whispered to the woman next to him who clutched a basket on her knees. She bowed her head and looked steadfastly at her bony fingers clutching her basket. You shouldn't ask, you shouldn't look, she muttered. Don't you know what happens to anyone who catches the eye of the purple lady? Even to look into the eyes of her hands is to be damned. You mean these are the gates to the kingdom of the Purple Lady? Shh! The woman shuddered. You should never take this route into town. It is a cursed place. My daughter was kidnapped by the Purple Lady. Every week I take this bus and hope that maybe one day I'll see her again. But I'm a coward, she wept. Every time we're near those dreadful gates, I dare not look. Yet I know my daughter is somewhere inside those grounds. All of us, on this bus, have lost someone. See? None of them is looking. Abu glanced around. One lady had drawn her veil across her eyes. A man buried his face in his scarf, and another held up a newspaper so it touched his nose. Abu felt his body go hot and cold in turn with terror and excitement. So it was true, there was a purple lady, and this was where she lived. Had he at last found the place where his sister Layla was being held prisoner? Layla was one of the most loved girls in the village. Not only was she beautiful, her skin like polished bronze, her hair shining like horse chestnuts, her eyes, though deep and dark as stars in midnight sky, could glint with gold as if full of sunshine. But it was her sweet nature that made everyone wish she was their daughter, their sister, their wife. No one had ever heard her complain or say a nasty word to any of her friends or ever reproach her parents. Abu was proud to be her brother and, as they were growing up, thought her the bravest and funniest and most daring of all his friends. Leila had a cat called Miskuri. She wasn't a glamorous cat, a pedigree cat, a valuable cat, or an exotic cat. She was just a common or garden cat, a mixture of this, that, and the other. But never was an animal more loving and loyal to her mistress than Miskuri. Wherever Leila went, Miskuri went too. The cat followed her everywhere, waiting for her while she worked, then accompanying her back home as if she were her most faithful guardian. And everyone, even the animals, loved to hear Leila singing. She sang when she milked the cows, fed the chickens or went to help in the fields. They felt that so long as her voice rang around the countryside as she went about her work on the farm, then all must be well in the world. Everyone had heard rumours about a purple lady who came from the big city. They said she roved round the villages in a purple limousine with blacked out windows and every time she appeared, a young person would vanish. But no one in Abu's village knew if these were just stories to show children that they should be wary of strangers. They warned that the purple lady collected the youth and souls of girls and boys so she could stay young forever. Worst of all, anyone who looked into her eyes lost all memory. It was true that many a person had returned to their village with their minds stripped, emptied of all memory after a fruitless search for a loved one. Yet no one had seen the lady's face and been able to describe what they saw. Afterwards, it was said, Strange, menacing birds would arrive and settle in the trees, peering down like spies at the village below. Some would strut along the street, instilling such fear that people shrunk away, dumbstruck, certain that these were servants of the Purple Lady, watching and reporting back. The people from Abu's village thought they were just stories, until it happened to them, and Layla disappeared. It coincided with a purple limousine being seen near the village. How often had Abu imagined it since? A rich car passing Layla in the lane. A window wound down. A soft, deep voice asking the way. Two violet eyes like whirlpools hypnotising her, drawing her into the soft, leathery interior. Won't you show me the way, my dear? Layla was so polite, so considerate, the girl who would help anyone. Abu could almost hear her reply, of course. And then she was gone, and Miss Scurry was gone, seen by no one. There were not even any tyre tracks, just the fear the helplessness left behind in the hedgerows and the lonely alleyways, in the desperate homes, in tear-soaked pillows. Soon after, a flock of rooks arrived and flew into the trees around the village, chattering their clipped. Rat-a-ta-tat, rat-a-ta-tat. I'm going to find her. Abu had promised his distraught parents the day before he left home. He visited Dorcas, the oldest and wisest woman in his village. At first, she warned him not to even try to find his sister. How could he possibly overcome the power of the Purple Lady? But when she saw that he wasn't going to change his mind, she told Abu that she had an even older, wiser sister, Korshasti, who lived in the city. Find her. She may be able to advise you. And she had passed an address into his hand. Stay on the bus until it reaches the end. Then, follow the instructions. One by one, everyone got off the bus. It was moving away from the city centre now, the street lights giving way to unlit roads and alleyways. It was night when finally it reached a huge garage and stopped. "Enter the line, cried the bus driver. Wearily, an elderly Sikh gentleman stepped carefully off the bus. Abu followed him. Can you tell me where? But the old man had already hurried away. Abu pulled out a torch and peered at the piece of paper with the address 3 Faraway Alley. He looked around for a sign, but there wasn't one, nor was there a single living soul to ask. He jumped, startled. Something furry was twining around his ankles. It was a cat. Oh, you gave me a fright. He bent down and gave a cry of astonishment when he saw a common garden cat looking up at him with emerald eyes. Miss Guri, is it you? Abu was overjoyed. He scooped her up and covered her with kisses. Miski, where's Layla? Is she here? Miskuri wriggled to be put down. She set off down the road, then stopped, looked around for Abu, then moved on again. He followed, his heart bursting with hope. She turned off the road and slipped into a maze of back alleys, broken fences and paved yards cluttered with dustbins and piles of discarded goods as though the people in this part of the city had never heard of gardens with flowers and hedges and fruit trees and ponds. They came to a passageway so narrow that Abu could stretch up both hands and touch the walls on either side. With his way lit by only the faintest glimmer of moonlight, he followed Layla's cat. The alley abruptly ended at a brick wall. Abu halted. Filled with despair, the cat leapt up, paused on top of the wall and looked down at him, her gleaming eyes seeming to say, Come on, follow me! Abu looked around for an opening, then saw a faded sign on the wall. Far away, Ali. Miskuri had brought him to the address Shasti had given him. In for a penny? In for a pound? he muttered and flung his rucksack over the wall. Taking a running jump, he leapt and scrambled up to the top. Below him was the tiniest of yards surrounded by the backs of buildings with wobbly chimney pots and broken guttering. In just one small upper window he saw a yellow light. He dropped down into the yard and scooped up his rucksack. Mascuri was waiting at the foot of a narrow flight of stone steps ascending into the building. He followed her. It was pitch dark, and he would have seen nothing were it not for Mascuri's gleaming eyes showing the way. Fumbling and stumbling, he came at last to a door. It was open. The smell of sticks coiled into Abu's nose. The cat slid inside and he followed. He heard a flapping of wings and had the impression of some kind of bird fluttering past his face. He shrank backwards, turning to run. Hello, Abu. So glad you found me. He stopped, frozen on the threshold. A creaking, squeaking voice came out of the darkness. A low flame in a lantern was turned up to reveal the most ancient creature he had ever seen, so black that she was barely divisible from the light of the room. She was sitting cross-legged on a rich-patterned carpet, her long grey locks tumbling from her head like writhing snakes. Miss Goody sprang and coiled up into her lap, purring loudly. "'Come closer, Abu, so I can see you.' "'You know me,' he whispered. "'My sister told me you were coming.' Abu could hardly imagine how, from one day to the next, the message had reached her. He approached slowly, still braced, to run away. "'Are you Shasti?' "'Don't be scared.' I'm your friend. Sit down. She waved him towards an old split leather chair with its horsehair stuffing hanging out. Yes, I am Shasty. He moved across to the chair but sat on the very edge, upright and tense, ready to flee. What's Miss Guri doing here? Have you got Leila? Miss Scorri came to me because she knows I'm the only one who can help you find your sister, she murmured. But it won't be easy. You have heard of the Purple Lady? She wishes for eternal life, to be young for ever. So she snatches away the young and the beautiful and strips them of their essence, their youth and their souls, and leaves their broken skeletons, the cave of bones. Abu wept to think of Layla. In such a place, you will have to find the cave and from a great pile collect every one of your sister's bones. Then you must find the well of eyes, identify which are Layla's, and keep them ready to put back in her sockets. You must cross the Lake of Reflections and assemble her on the far shore. But the lake is deadly. Beneath its surface lies the image snatcher. If even one bit of you is reflected on the surface, whether by sunlight or moonlight, the image snatcher will grab it. You will be dragged into the waters below, and that shall be the end of you. Abu shuddered at what Shasti had told him, and would have given up immediately if he had not remembered his parents' grief. Only he could save his sister from the Purple Lady. What must I do if I manage to put all of Layla's bones together and cross the Lake of Reflections? What then? he asked tearfully. You must enter the Amethyst Palace, where you will find Layla's soul. I don't know, I don't know! It seemed a terrible task, an impossible task. Abu leaned back, suddenly overwhelmed with despair. And what if I see the purple lady? Am I not doomed? I've heard she makes people look into her eyes, then steals their minds. How will I be able to stop myself? Won't she steal me too? Ah, you understand the problem, murmured the old woman. What can I do? I can make you blind. Abu shuddered at what that would mean. How can I find Layla without eyes to see? "'he asked despairingly. "'I can give you untment,' Shasti told him, "'which once you smear on your eyelids will make you blind for three days. "'The good thing is that your hearing will be as sharp as a bat's, "'your smell as keen as a fox, and your touch will be as sensitive as snowflakes. "'But there is one mixed blessing.' The ointment gives you the ability to listen in on the thoughts of all living things. You may hear good things and bad things, you know how it is with folk. They say one thing and think another. Isn't that always the way in this world? murmured Abu, and accepted the small bone box that Shasti held out to him. Inside was a strange green ointment. What do I pay? I will want one of your eyes, should you succeed in finding your sister. Abu couldn't deny that he felt a jolt in his stomach at such an unexpected price. But then he thought, One eye for the return of my sister is surely not too high a price to pay. So he agreed, and carefully slipped the bone box into his breast pocket. Stay here. Until daybreak, then catch the bus back into the city, said the old woman, and get off at the purple gates. Shasti gave Abu a draught of sweet herbal tea, his body relaxed, and he slumped back into the chair and slept. A tell pod production.